place where we share stories along the journey that uplift and connect you to your highest self. We talk all things spirituality, mind, body, and space wellness, state of allowing, and how to stay grounded and good on the path. Join me each week as we tap into inner knowing and harness inspiration from our guests to remember why we're here and where we're going. This is the Divinely Human Podcast. Hi, friends. We are blessed to welcome Julia Childs-Hale to Divinely Human. Julia's work and essence immediately drew me to her. She exudes a radiance that is welcoming and unifying. As a writer, mental health, and self-love advocate, her art connects racial and social consciousness to self-worth as a catalyst for healing. She is a full-time social work student, writer, model, and a true ally in helping people find what already lies within. Welcome to the show, Julia. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your background, where you grew up, um, and what's your spiritual practice like? Love this. (laughs) So I'll try to give you not the super, super long story, but um, my background I grew up in Ojai, California. Um, my father uh, is from St. Louis, Missouri. My mom's from a very small town called Cookville, Tennessee in the Deep South. Um, my mom's an animal acupuncturist, uh, and my father was a wild man, lived life <laughs> to the beat of his own drum. Uh, yeah, how do I stay grounded and awake? Because you're um, just saying that you just, you know, started really getting heavy into your meditation. Yeah. So about a year ago, I decided to shift. I was working as a writer, copywriter, creative director, um, mm-hmm. marketing industry. And I did some soul searching to really figure out what my purpose was. Um, and in doing that, I went to DeWitt, Missouri and visited my great grandfather's farm. Mm. Um, he was a freed slave. It was a farm he acquired when he acquired freedom. Um, wow. Okay. Hold on. Back up. Yes. How did a freed slave acquire land? So, when slaves were freed, right, some of them were given land, not all of them. Wow. And so, 40 acres and a mule, Mm -hmm. you heard that, but wasn't always Mm -hmm. the truth. So, as family history goes, he acquired it when he got free. Um, This was around 1869, between 1867 and 1869. Um, It's been difficult to get the full extent of the story. Yeah, Um, of course because none of my grandparents are still alive and my father's passed. And so through digging this up, there were so many questions I had. Um, Even with timeline and history, it made me think about how many questions other people have in the black community Mm -hmm. and how difficult it is to lean into your mission if you don't know your true history. Um, And so... (laughs) With that, um, also just generally being really interested in the generational wellness of black Americans, the mental health of black Americans, and knowing that our circumstances can dictate our wellness and our mental health. 
Absolutely. It's cellular at yes, this point. It it's, truly is. Your DNA shifts throughout exactly. generations, yep. which it's so good to speak to someone who knows this and isn't like, bring me up the articles right now. Um, <laughs> though I always have them in my back pocket. Um, it's really fantastic to share space with someone who also is not scared of that information. And it should be empowering. Right? I mean, you should... If, if you are okay with accepting there's a problem, then you mm-hmm. should be okay with accepting there's a solution. Totally. And by just understanding that it is cellular, mm-hmm. that the triggers are cellular, mm-hmm. then you can find a solution within that. Mm-hmm. I mean, if anyone out there is curious, I really got a lot of my um, information from Dr. Bruce Lipton. Mm-hmm. He is um, a scientist and he truly studies the the cell recognition of trauma mm-hmm. within generations. Like mm-hmm. it's not, it, it can be proven. It's mm-hmm. not some like esoteric theory. It, it's, it's data. So yes, 100%. And to build off of that, Anyone who's listening who's interested in trauma as it pertains to slavery and black Americans in America, um, Dr. Joy DeGroy, D-E-G-R-U-Y, is where I got a lot of my information from. Her theory, post-traumatic slave syndrome, um, connects how slavery, the circumstances in which, you know, our ancestors lived in, Mm -hmm. how they were treated, the traumas Mm -hmm. that were repeated even after slavery ended throughout segregation, how that connects to our present day um, really makes a compelling case and connects it to the science of how this is, it's a cellular issue, it's a community issue, Mm -hmm. it's a political issue. um, It's all of that. And so when standing on my great-grandfather's farm, I decided to take the dive, dedicate my life to pushing this movement forward, working with other Black Americans to help them heal and help them find love and freedom Mm. it's accessible but it we got some work to do and it's not of our own faults yeah it's just our current circumstances there's so many lies that have been perpetuated Mm -hmm. to us we have to deprogram first totally it's it's not easy to try to fill a cup that's already full yeah with gunk and mess and all that stuff so when you were standing there what was it that hit you that you were like, I have to dedicate my life to this? You know, I had been thinking that I hadn't been fulfilling my true purpose for a while. Mm. Um, so it didn't hit me out of the blue, but I had definitely been considering, like, what's going on? And actually, a couple of days before I left for my trip, um, I was in a session with my therapist, old therapist, And I was sharing about how seeing um, how many black and brown people live on Skid Row in L.A. was was tormenting me. Mm. Um, And that that racial disparity, that health disparity, that public health issue wasn't lost on me. And she started crying and she was like, you know, you might be someone who's supposed to be on the other side of the seat. There's a deep level of empathy here. And not everyone has that. It's not readily available to everyone. It's not. <laughs> and, which took me a while to work through. I was like, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's not. It's in everyone if we look for it, but not it, everyone's looking. It's, it's not ignited in everyone. Yes, yes absolutely. Um, 
And so when I was standing on the farm, I really was like having a flashback of um, my father, my family, mm. people I've met in passing from the black community, the love I've always felt. Um, and, you know, my therapist really being like, there's something deeper for you to consider. Um, and it, it just kind of clicked. It was just mm. a feeling. It wasn't, it was more of a knowing. Yeah. It, it was yeah. just like, I just came home. I was like, okay, well, this is this what I have to do. do. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Wow. Okay. Um, so obviously you practice self-love and that you already have someone that you go and see and mm-hmm. share these ideas with, um, your therapist or whoever, but what does self-love as you being a self-love healer mean to you and the community that you serve? Cause you mm. were just talking about having that empathy factor of, you know, going and seeing Skid Row and just feeling like, how is this possible? And how can me as a self-love practitioner, healer, Mm -hmm. teacher, what does it mean to me that I'm now trying to invoke this kind of healing spirit with others in the community that I'm serving? Mm -hmm. So what does it mean to you? What does self-love mean to you? It's a communal practice. Yeah. That's something that's been so big for me is... Um, we're not all free if some of us aren't free, right? Absolutely. I'm, I'm nothing without my community Mm -hmm. and it expands beyond the people I know intimately. Yep. And so when I think about self-love, a lot of it is boundaries, protecting my space, understanding that like actual spatial divide between me and another person's hurt. Mm -hmm. So I can actually help. Mm -hmm. Um, But a lot of it, too, is is speaking the hard truths, the truths that (laughs) we don't want to think about. We don't Mm want to look at, you know, the truths that billions of people who live in L.A. will drive past Skid Row Mm -hmm. and just kind of shield their eyes. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's about going deeper and going beyond that and really recognizing that for me. I want to live a long, happy life. I want to contribute to the next generation yeah. of people living long and happy lives. And I, it's not a free-for-all. Mm-hmm. You don't just grab and take and, like, acquire mm-hmm. for your tribe. Mm-hmm. And so, for me, self-love was to really bring in that communal factor and to see how I could reach my hand out and help uplift others as well. How did you know that that was the answer, though? Because it sounds so easy, but there are so many people that that's all that they've been taught is just that grab and for me and mine's like Mm -hmm. there isn't that community factor and that's one of the reasons why um alex and i tried really hard to build this the shop in this space is because there isn't community anymore Mm -hmm. like there is no longer that touch and feel hug and kiss let's break bread yeah that kind of community everyone's i mean we all are like i'm not you know i'm i'm not taking myself out of the equation because like you said you know if one of us is falling it's all of our responsibility we need each other yeah we need one another when we need each other to be in the most optimal health yeah mind body spirit all of it not just a select few can have these things and other people can't have them Mm -hmm. so i don't know if any of you know Brene brown's work on vulnerability fellow it, social worker yeah of course <laughs> <laughs> she out here representing <laughs> of 
course, but she just, I love the work that she's doing with just awakening people to the difference between sympathy and empathy. Mm-hmm. Those are two different things. Sympathy is the feeling that you get when you drive past Skid Row and you're just like, oh, that really sucks for them. Empathy is when you stop mm-hmm. and ask them what they need mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because you are now putting yourself in their shoes. Mm-hmm. I love that you ask how like I even began to recognize that as a communal thing, how mm-hmm. to like be in this place of empathy because I definitely was like not born this way. No, like, I, I, I honestly, <laughs> I mean... I don't even think Brene Brown was would, would say that she was born that Hell way. Hell nah. She's it a takes, social worker. Yes. <laughs> it takes years and it takes self-work. Like it's yeah. not just a learning. You go to school, you get your master's, you get your PhD, da, 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 da. It's the morning mm-hmm. practice. Mm-hmm. It's the nightly routine. Mm-hmm. It's those things where you're, it's actually also being silent, mm-hmm. not having to talk all the time, not having to always bring your opinion into the circle. Sometimes we all just need to be quiet and tune back into what is the second conversation going on? Because I always say there's two conversations being had. There's one that we're, you know, moving our lips and we can hear each other talk. And then there's a conversation of the heart. There's a frequency, there's an undercurrent. And none of us are trained to listen to that undercurrent. And it is the self work too, because You know, for me, it's like I had this great creative job. Like I was, my needs were met. I Mm -hmm. wasn't making a ton of money, but I was making enough Mm -hmm. to like survive and Mm -hmm. dare I say thrive Mm -hmm. a little bit, air quotations. Um, But I wasn't happy. Yeah. And it's never fulfilling. My coping mechanism was just like drinking wine and spending money. Exactly. And for me, a big thing, you know, the shift came after I quit drinking alcohol. Yep. Once I like, turned off everything that was doling me down Mm -hmm. it was like let's get to the root of my programming Mm -hmm. let's get to the root of what i'm hiding from let me see myself truly fully who i am as all of my flaws everything i have to learn yeah and let me be vulnerable in that and work with others because you know for me it was like dear dear friends who held me up during this time Mm -hmm. who saw me my partner my husband who just like had my back and loved me through all of this where I was like this is this can't be a solo mission you have to be congruent with your awakening Mm -hmm. you can't just say I want to awaken in this small part and then the rest of the time I'm sleeping no the universe doesn't work like that no you want to be awakened the whole thing has to be cleared out Mm -hmm. and you need support Mm mm-hmm Because you are taking away everything that you knew of yourself. Mm -hmm. You're redefining who you are. You're trying to find identity in this new person. And your community is going to change. The people Mm -hmm. around you are going to change. Either they're going to evolve with you or they're going to leave. Those are the only two options. Like, And you have to be strong enough to be like, okay, bye. Peace out, girl. (laughs) Yes, you have to. Because it's your life is dependent on that choice. Like, it's not, uh, okay, I'll only awaken, you know, 20% of the time so that my boyfriend can stay with me. If your boyfriend doesn't want you to awaken 100%, then that's not your boyfriend anymore. Yes. And it's also, for me, the realization, you know, I grew up very poor. Mm -hmm. And I was like... I'm one paycheck away from being on skid row. Mm -hmm. We, we really all are, Mm -hmm. you know, any catastrophe could hit us and we can be daydreaming about a house or getting a baby bins or whatever the heck it is we think we need. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And it doesn't matter because you don't know when you're going to be taken out. And for me, it was about learning how to be a bit more humble. Yes. And and to see that humility in other people yes. as well. And, you know, living in Los Angeles, I've been living here for six years, and it's a very materialistic city. Mm-hmm. It can be super difficult to do it. And for me, like, it was like there's no all... Like, I can't do 20% here. Mm-hmm. I can't just quit drinking and then, mm-hmm. like, go back on my merry life. Mm-hmm. I was like, I have to basically take the box that contains everything I think I am, mm-hmm. throw it on the ground. Yep. Probably what happened at my great-grandfather's mm-hmm. farm. Sort through it. Yes. Find what's salvageable, mm-hmm. what, what's worth keeping, what Cause there I can are Because there are parts that are that are worth keeping. 100%. Yes. Shine them up. Mm-hmm. Love on them. Mm-hmm. And, and also accept that I'll probably have to do that again. Yeah. Many times. Yeah. Because we kind of walk through the world almost in an, uh, a hypnosis. Mm-hmm. You know, so sometimes we're picking up things that are not even ours, you know, and yes. we have to continuously check in with ourselves mm-hmm. like whether that's weekly whether that's monthly if you journal every morning and just do like a brain dump those are the perfect times to check in what am i holding on to that's not mine mm-hmm. like it, did someone have a conversation with me and somehow that energy creeped into my mm-hmm. own aura it's time to cut those ties they're not serving you they're not yours and let it go because i f- definitely find myself as an open heart chakra empath person Mm -hmm. i'll go out into the street or have a conversation with someone and i will intake their whole life and then wonder why i'm not getting the things that i'm trying to you know achieve in my life it's because i'm holding on to all of these energy entity things of like trying to save the world and that's not our job our job is not trying to save the world and this conversation is not to you know try to encourage you to for that to be your goal your goal is to save yourself first mm-hmm. and then pass on the knowledge that you've acquired. Like you said, you go through the box, what stuff is still salvageable, you keep that stuff and you keep it moving. Yes, 100%. And it's also, you know, this past year, um, I started my practicum. I got to have therapy clients for the first time. It was mm. amazing. Um, I was working with kids K-8 through in South L.A., and something I learned, too, because I'm, like, such an, an empath, I want to just, like, hug you mm-hmm. and just, like, be there. But what I really came to realize, um, thankfully, quite early on, is that that's not how we heal. No. No one heals if I absorb their problems. Right. I can be there to help them shift their perspective simply by reflecting it back to them. Mm -hmm. And that's something that was so big for me is realizing that we all have this innate knowing in ourselves, and having the privilege to even be someone's therapist is a huge privilege. And it would be such a disservice for me to take problems that I might relate to. I heard a lot of things as it happens, people who had been through experiences maybe similar to mine or something Mm -hmm. I can relate to sat down in front of me. But that's not for me to tell them how I got through it. That's for me to reflect what they already have in themselves and hold that space of not judging them. Exactly. Of sorting through the box with them because it's damn scary going through the box for that first time. Oh my God. (laughs) 
it is it it's scary and liberating at the same mm-hmm. time i just i was just talking last week about the two awakenings that i've had so far the first awakening which was the movies and shows that i watch the music that i listen to the books that i read everything everything and then there was the second awakening which was you feel really good on your spiritual path you're like yes i'm this amazing person and then judgment you judging all the people that are not doing those things you know you're going through and you're just like why isn't my mom doing this and why isn't my dad doing this and why isn't my husband doing this and why aren't my kids acting like this and they're not spiritual if they knew the truth they wouldn't act like that and the second awakening is everyone has their own divine purpose and some of their purpose is to trigger you it's to trigger the hell out of your judgment, to trigger the hell out yes. of your your overconfidence that you're so spiritual and other people can't. It's how are you finding humility? It's great that you found a way, a better way to express yourself and see your whole self in the mirror when you look in the mirror. But why then are you judging other people who may not quite be ready to do that same thing? Why aren't you, like you said, I'm holding that space for you. I'm sending you love. I am praying for you. I'm watching over, you know, over you. Anything that you need, let me know. But I'm not going to take your problems away from you. I just can't. Yes. And that is so real. I've also been talking about this with friends because that's something that I continually work on. I have some Scorpio in my chart. Mm. Pisces moon. Pisces moon. I'm a Pisces moon. Girl. It's so deep. It's so deep. Yes. And then it's like, for me, absolutely, when someone triggers me, to keep that same energy of like, I'm holding that space for you, even if I feel super slighted, even Mm -hmm. if I feel super betrayed, not not going into that. Mm -hmm. And that extends to random people. Mm -hmm. I had someone who I did not know come into my DMs today upset about something I had posted. It was a lot. (laughs) And I just had to really like, I was hella triggered. Like, I was just like, like... This is way too much for me. I'm really frustrated with someone who is not black saying, like, what is or is not fact, what Mm -hmm. I can and cannot post. And I got it because I had done this thing this morning where I meditated and I was like, show me what I need to see today. Mm. And for me, it it was really humbling just to be like, you know what? That person has a perspective. You have a perspective. And it's valid in their own eyes. And I totally was like, you know, I just asked you not to come into my space with this negative mm-hmm. energy. So I got I to block you now, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate. Like, mm-hmm. who likes that? I know. But also, you, you know. You have to respect boundaries. You got to respect boundaries. I was like, sis, you got to look in yourself, yes. too. Unsolicited advice. Why? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then for me, I was like, damn. You're triggered. <laughs> I was triggered i was like i had the time this morning yes and it's all the things but it's yeah. but it's the co-creation it's because we are so divine like we're, we're creators but then we have that human element where like you said it's community she's part of your community yes she was mirroring something maybe an insecurity within you and so totally. it showed up and manifested in the 3d and you were like oh wait that insecurity just manifested and actually I don't like it, so I'm going to block it yeah. from myself, from from yourself, Julia, and in the 3D world of her. It's like, yeah. I don't ever need that kind of negative energy. 
And that's exactly it, too, because especially doing this work, there can be so much doubt. And that mm-hmm. was something that was so good for me to, like, see and examine. It's like, oh, yeah, this isn't for everyone. And that's totally valid. And that's okay. Challenge me because I get to come out on the other end mm-hmm. of, yes, being like, ooh, what was it subconsciously deep down that wanted to learn a lesson today Mm -hmm. because I got it. And that's taking responsibility. You guys, that is (laughs) no, I'm so serious because that's, I think though that's the hardest part or the part that people are kind of afraid to, Mm -hmm. um, to do their own self self work, Mm -hmm. their own, to be their own self psychologist. And then what you see, you have to take responsibility that you brought that into your vortex. Totally. Like, that's a huge concept to mm-hmm. kind of accept. People would say, well, how did I bring, you know, my husband cheating? Or how did I bring my kids not listening to me? It's like, okay, you really want the answer? <laughs> yes, that <laughs> Do you part. really want the answer as to how you brought that to yourself? Because there's something within you that doesn't feel worthy of a husband. Mm-hmm you know a dream husband or dream kids like Mm -hmm. you have to do the work and really deprogram yourself and i was going to ask you what are some of the programs um that that you kind of intook as a child that's still having a hard time leaving oh oh my gosh alcoholism (laughs) drinking cellular it's cellular it is cellular and i believe that and also the you know, the family disease of it, of yeah. how it can be dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Everything that's up is down. And that's something that, um, you know, I work on daily. It never goes away. And yeah. not in a like, oh, my God, I'm jonesing. But mm-hmm. more in a like, oh, there's this void that only I can fill up. And my brain was programmed to tell me that outside people and things and substances can fill it up. Yeah, And only through surrendering to my truest self and to putting trust in something bigger than myself. Can I deprogram that? Yeah. Um, I also think dysfunctional relationships, like for sure, you know, I have, it comes with the whole thing. (laughs) I've had some major dysfunctional relationships within, you know, my family. I think we all have. Yeah. And I see iterations of that popping up in my life all the time and it's like whack-a-mole where I'm like like you know got some amazing core friends amazing relationships with a lot of my family members like a bomb husband who was sent from heaven like mm-hmm. it's great and then it's like oh oop, but there is this one relationship that I I haven't I haven't completed my work with yeah and because I turn my back on it it shows up in other people yes and that <laughs> that's like oh my gosh it's so real it's so where, real you guys, it's so, that is, that's probably the realest statement. Like, if you think that you're going to get away with not taking care of your shit, mm-hmm. you're wrong. Oh, and the <laughs> best is, like, there'll be times where I'm like, damn, I got God. I brought it on myself. <laughs> like, I'm like, you thought, like, I, <laughs> I, like, use every meme on myself. So you have to have a sense of humor with this. Yes. Like, I You have to just laugh about it. Spirit has a sense of humor mm-hmm. in some of the lessons I've been taught. I'm like, okay, that was kind of funny. Like, you know what? You know what the hu- the humor part is that I learned is um, it allows you to elevate your emotions to 
a state where you are more available to hear truth. Mm-hmm. Because when you're laughing about things, as opposed to when you're feeling victimized or um, feeling really sad, those emotions have a very low vibration. Mm-hmm. And so it's really hard for truth to enter. And what you need, you know, the solution requires truth. Mm-hmm. So when you have a sense of humor, when you can at least smile about it or yeah. go, hmm, I did that. <laughs> You know, truth somehow finds its way and it's like, okay, I did do that. I was wrong there, you know, and then you're able to kind of overcome it. And the ego isn't this like big, bad monster anymore. It's like you have control. You as your higher self have control over your life, Mm -hmm. not this like devil on your shoulder or ego or whatever. No, you take control back and all you have to do is laugh about it. It's it's all a big game anyway. It's just an illusion, you guys. Like, yes. It really is. And that's where the funny part comes in. Cause it's like, okay, I'm like this bean that's like le- learning all these lessons mm-hmm. and like in my own belief system to come back as another bean to like mm-hmm. learn lessons. The goal is just to like not be working out this same relationship next the next time. time around. Exactly. That's all I ask. Exactly. And so if you're going to keep feeding it to me this mm-hmm. time, like, you know, hopefully I, I get a little wiser. If not, like, keep the jokes coming. <laughs> I'll do it again. <laughs> um, talk to us about your your work with healing the lineage. Why do you think it's so necessary? I think ooh, this is such a big, juicy question. It's necessary because similar in how I view like self-love as a communal practice, um, my children, anyone's children, their children cannot heal if we haven't ourselves healed i deeply believe again this is just like my own conception of spirituality the work i do now heals those who don't have the chance to do it and so when i think about approaching this from a communal aspect and diving into wellness in the black community and mental health and i say wellness because it's not it's not all mental health. It is this deeper understanding of who we are, our life, our patterns. Um, And it also is scientific on a cellular level. And so my greatest goal is for all of us, not just the people younger than us, to be born free without chains. Yeah. And right now, simply from the communities we live within through our political climate, how people of color are socialized, especially black people are socialized in America. We're already born with so much that came from other people Mm -hmm. that came from people outside of our tribe, outside of our lineage who Mm -hmm. had preconceived notions who were also fed a lie. Mm -hmm. And so I also believe things can't get better if the truth doesn't come out. I say it's communal. Why I, like, went straight into looking into my own family lineage within my, like, first big academic project is because I am nothing if I don't know my history. Yes. We... I can feed you whatever history you want if you don't know yours. If you don't know yours. And so... If I'm stuck in the dark, if I'm just absorbing the crap that our country feeds all of us since we're born and with holidays and um 
black people being indentured servants and not mm-hmm. slaves and like all the other lies that are really programmed to us at a very young age. If that isn't broken down through looking at look at how still we thrive, look at how still we create a way out of no way, and look at all the lies that have been told yes. to us. So can you imagine if you know your truth? Exactly. <laughs> that is exactly my mission. Because if we know our truth we're boundless. We're mm-hmm. infinite. We can do anything. Like when I think about what my great grandfather did to like make a way out of no way, to get married, to have kids, to even mm-hmm. want to do that, mm-hmm. to ha- know what slavery felt like and then know what freedom felt like. Like, damn, I, that is hard. Yeah. And so to me, it is for truth to be revealed because I know within our community and within all of us, if we all knew our truth, not just black people, because, okay, there's been a lot of lies told that benefit <laughs> some other folks some, exactly. up in this world. Exactly. If we all knew our truth. Imagine how beautiful the world would be. I mean, it would be heaven on earth. And it's, it's not impossible. It's not. We just have to believe and we have to be willing to roll up our sleeves and, do the and uncover that. Yes. Pull it out. Shake yeah. up the whole box of mm-hmm. like humanity and dump it out. Mm-hmm. So would you say like if someone, um, if someone came into practice with you, is their first kind of assignment would be to look at their family lineage? How? I mean, a lot of people would say, I don't know where, you know where I can find this information or, or, or if it even exists, like they're just, like you said, they just feed into the lies that they were told growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, What would you, what would you say to them? Like, how could they start this journey on their own? I'd have to ask them what their goal is first, because not everyone wants to know this information. It's true. And I can want everyone to know it. And I can want it to be, like, common knowledge, but in the here and now and in, like, intimate setting, not everyone wants to know it. But if someone's like, I don't feel good, I, you know, I'm having a hard time, I don't like my family, I'm having severe issues with my parents, Um, I'm around people who are using drugs, that's when it's like, okay, so tell me about your background. If they don't know, then yeah, absolutely the the best way to start is to figure out the own, your own programming within your family. Mm-hmm. That will tell you so much yes. of how you ended up here. That's your lifelong work right there. What what you're learning and what you're being fed into mm-hmm. because you can be acting completely helpless because that's how someone taught you how to act. Because yes. that's how they thought they were supposed to yes. act. Um, that is definitely the first goal. Even when I work with young people, it's let's get to know you and when you're young it's let's get to know who's around you Mm -hmm. and there's hard truths that come up of course there's like so much you have to be so delicate especially with young people because this is big stuff and to be young working at looking at this stuff working through this stuff that is scary shit can we even say even older people Oh, like 100% parents, too. Because... Yes. Oh, <laughs> like... 100%. I think I have... I've had more fights, more headbutting with people that I would think would want freedom more mm-hmm. than anyone else. Mm-hmm. But because they've kind of accepted the lies as their truth for their life, mm-hmm. they almost feel like 
there's no going back now. I'm already 50, 60, mm -hmm. 70. Why do I need to reprogram myself? It's like, wow. Mm -hmm. You would really think that at 70 years old, it's still never too late to know your truth as a black person in America. Mm -hmm. Even as a white person in America, this is also your work. This mm -hmm. is everyone's work, you guys. Like, this is not just Julia's work or Jasmine's work or our parents' work or... It's every single person's work. Because mm -hmm. like you said, there are lies being told to people that are quote unquote privileged. Mm -hmm. And they believe that they're privileged because why exactly? They couldn't even tell you. Yes. And it is true that it's, you know, with older people too, I imagine I'm young, so <laughs> um, I can't speak for them. But I also imagine too imagine like getting to later in life 70 80 and realizing everything you thought was true the way you made a way out of maybe no way or maybe there was some way was based on a lie mm -hmm. like i can understand the resistance it's like the throw it out and let's start over yeah. because it's so so disheartening and it, it's not just for black people for white people too to be told lies they won't accept it they they won't <laughs> it's extremely hard if you pull out all the facts and all the receipts and mm -hmm. you lay it out because the whole world has like cradled this lie mm -hmm. and so with younger people you know in my experience a lot of it is like oh fuck like this they weren't playing this yeah. is how the world really is and we can yeah. learn that so young i remember i learned that quite young but then to go all the way through life and realize it never changed mm -hmm. you just acclimated to the lie mm -hmm. yeah it's awful it's a, a again it's why i just feel so passionately about like a full-on upheaval and it starts with looking in your own household or how was it for you growing up because your mom is white mm -hmm. and your husband is white mm -hmm. and my husband is white mm -hmm. and we're both two black women mm -hmm. and people would look at us and say, well, if you're so passionate about this, then why are your husbands white? Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, that's another question that we can probably get to. But for you growing up as a, a mixed child, mm -hmm. what were your what were the lies slash truths that were told to you? Hmm. You know, we didn't talk about race in my household. Mm. I grew up in a town where I was like one of, there was one other black boy at my school and he was adopted. And my mom oh. primarily raised me. My dad was in and out of the picture. So when I would go places, it would be like, Oh, is that your mom? Mm -hmm. And like, like no, I, there's just a kidnapped <laughs> child like wandering through town. This is a small town, y'all. Like, yes, it's my mother. Um, and, you know, it just, it wasn't talked about, but it was reflected to me through my father's family. And I will never forget kind of like my blueprint for the truth was when my uncle, Woody, um, would come to visit. And he was a black academic, English professor. First job was teaching on the Standing Rock Reservation. Oh, he wow. lived in Visalia on 
like a ranch. He only drove classic Mercedes. Um, he was amazing. When he retired, he traveled all over the country to um, jazz festivals. And whenever I saw him, it was always just this reminder of like that power, that light, that juice, yes. that intellect is somewhere in me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for me, when I have children, like conversations on race galore, especially being black, white, with a white husband, yeah. we got a lot to hash out. Yes. I wouldn't do it the same way, but I will say it was exactly what I needed because that was my driving force. That's so interesting that you were able to see that. And now you're, are, you are practicing cellular healing in that way. It's, it, it's, it's insane. It's intuitive. It's absolutely intuitive. Blame like that Pisces is, moon. Yes, that's the Pisces moon. <laughs> but truly, that is something as well. When I think about it, it's like, okay, when I think about the opportunities I have that, you know, other people in my family didn't have. It goes back to that. This mm-hmm. man had, like, a phenomenal life. Mm. And this was at a time he was the first black professor at the Colleges of the Sequoias up in Visalia. And so when I think about just how much history and magic and resilience there is in my blood, thank God I was able to pick up on that because my other messaging was like, I didn't date till I finished high school because I was the only black girl. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how the hell to do my hair or what to do with my hair. (laughs) I like, (laughs) I didn't know so many things. I didn't feel beautiful. I was I just going to feel... say, so all the programming of feeling rejected, mm-hmm. dysfunctional relationships, mm-hmm. all of that stuff comes out. Yeah, Those was... are like lies that no one even had to tell you. That goes back to the frequency part. Yes, it is literally the frequency of how people were around me because they didn't know how to be because mm-hmm. no one was having these conversations with them. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's been such a wild thing to come into my own and especially you know I was 21 years old in a UCLA classroom reading when affirmative action was white by Ira Katz Nelson pissed I was learning about the GI Bill Mm -hmm. and how many black people were left out of it I was learning about redlining I it was like during the inception of Black Lives Matter Mm -hmm. and I just remember um you know, at UCLA, like, all of the Afro-Am or African-American studies classes, that's where all the black people are, because yeah. it's an extremely white school. And, like, I was, like, at one year away from graduating, I was like, wow, I know nothing, but I just got my whole life. I found my community, mm-hmm. like, and and that was, like, the lifesaver I needed to be around people who were breaking down the deprogramming in a pride predominantly white institution yeah it was just like it was everything so for all of the muck i had to swim through it it led me exactly to where i was supposed to be yeah you were always on the path you were always on your path because just even picking that up about your uncle just that the same power and resiliency that lies within him has to lie somewhere within me wow that's so amazing So how do we cultivate a community that fosters love? Mm. 
What is the big easy. picture? This is a big picture question. Yeah. I think the step one, you have to want to be in communal practice. You have to want to be in community. And you have to be awake and aware to see who you're calling into community. Yeah. Because we can be in communal practice and with a bunch of energy vampires. Yes. We can be in communal practice with people who are, you know, shedding all of their bad days in the bar every night. Mm-hmm. And I can only speak through what I've been through myself, but a lot of it was about getting wiser, getting stronger about who I was around. And that required inner work and required peace and required stillness so that when I would be around people, I could listen to what I was being told. I could listen to what I was feeling. Yeah. And, you know, for the most part, most of my community, I gathered when I was 21. Around the same time, I, like, had my intellectual air Awakening. <laughs> Awakening. <laughs> um, that's only one step, though, because... By no means does that mean if someone has problems, you can't be in community with them. Mm -hmm. That's for each of us to decide what's ours, what's theirs, and if we can coexist together. Because some people can't coexist together. Some people can't. Some people are at a really low vibration and they want to, you know, climb up the ladder to your vibration. And that's a recipe for disaster. Exactly. And that's where those boundaries need to come into Mm -hmm. full effect. And boundaries is not a bad word. No. I think a lot of people kind of, you know, feel like, oh, I have to put boundaries up with my parents. Put them up. Please. I have to put boundaries up with my husband. Put them up. I put boundaries up with everyone. With everyone. With everyone. And with love. Yes. And sometimes it doesn't feel super loving. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you have to, like, be pretty stern. And sometimes it is super loving. And it's just like, no, I'm just going to rock and do this tonight. Mm -hmm. Like, I need to be in my own energy right Mm -hmm. now. Um, I think one of the most um, beautiful things that I I discovered for myself, I love words. Mm-hmm. I love using the correct words mm-hmm. to define things. I asked my husband to get me a dictionary and thesaurus all in one mm. so that anytime I journaled or anytime I found a word that I really liked that purely described the emotion that I was feeling, I would use that word mm-hmm. instead of I want Instead of I need, mm-hmm. instead of I like. Mm-hmm. If you use the word love and loving, please know that that word encompasses so many other things mm-hmm. other than feeling good. Mm-hmm. So when people say, oh, I have to put up boundaries, but it doesn't feel super loving. No, it's loving. Mm-hmm. That's the definition of love mm-hmm. is you're taking into account both people's sides mm-hmm. and what what action can I take that's for the highest good of both of us? Yeah. That's love. Yeah. That's deep, cherishing love. So uh, last few questions here. What makes you divinely human? Mm. What part of you are you just obsessed with that you love so much? My intuition. Mm-hmm. That's like no brainer for me. That's the most human part of myself, even though sometimes it, doesn't feel that way um it's my greatest ally and my greatest teacher um and i I let it guide me truly i'm thankful for it yeah and then where can everyone find you i'm on instagram at julia 
J-U-L-I-A, Child, C-H-I-L-D-S, Heil, H-E-Y-L. So mm. find me on Instagram. Say hey. Yeah. That's where I'll be telling you my plans to dominate. Yeah. And that's, and our last question is, you know, what is the, what's your next move? Because you were talking about Thailand. And- yeah, I'm going to Thailand next week mm-hmm. to pre- present on generational trauma in the black community. So... I look at the life of my great-grandfather, a freed slave, um, and how his legacy subsequently affected generations coming after him. Um, And I put in the context of social work practice. So what social workers can do as people who work with vulnerable populations to be in their highest level of communal practice, um, to hold themselves accountable, and to simply be aware because a lot of these stories aren't getting out and instead mm-hmm. we're ingesting the lies. So yeah. that and soul searching work. in Thailand. So yes. I'll be sure to share about it. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Aww.